now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane here with Rich Hill on a... Whatever the opposite of Victory Tuesday is, it's a defeat <laughs> Tuesday, I guess, Rich Hill, because as you predicted, to your credit, the Patriots lost to the Chiefs at home to drop to 10-3. and three. They've now lost two straight games in December, which hasn't happened since last year when they lost two <laughs> straight games in December. Cats and dogs living together, sky is falling, pats are done, lost season, epic failure, total embarrassment. Why are we even here, Rich? Oh, man. You know, okay, so I gave my prediction last week that the Patriots would lose to the Chiefs. I thought that the Patriots' home winning streak was going to end because the offense is ineffective and they're playing a Kansas City Chiefs team that has a great quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. The game did not at all play out as I expected. You know, not at all. I I mean, it's one thing to lose to a team when they absolutely outplay you. It's one thing to have, you know, an official be blind and you know, miss a play call. But the way that the Patriots lost this game to the Chiefs, along with a multitude of other poor, you know, uh, effective actualization of their plays, was that the officials literally just took plays off the board from them. They they did, they, you know, the, the Patriots did their job. They did, uh, you know, they got into the end zone. They forced fumbles. They picked up the ball and could have scored. And each time the officials were like, um, no, you know, we're just going to stop you here. We're going to stop you here. <laughs> and it, that's like the most frustrating way. It's not like a, a ticky tacky call. It was just them stopping the play and not letting it go through all the way to the end. And that, that is just the worst way to lose a game. No, no, it is. Um, we'll talk about that in a while. I'd love to talk about the refing. And I don't think the refing blew the game for the Patriots. I'll say it's not like that cost them the game. It was still first and goal from the three-yard line. Still couldn't punch it in. But anyway, let's get to that and all the rest of the things that happened in Patriots-Chiefs. But first, Rich Hill, I guess the silver lining here of this Patriots-Chiefs loss is that it didn't really ultimately matter in terms of playoff seeding and how the rest of the year is going to shake out because the Ravens beat the Bills 24-17 in what was probably their last tough out of the season mm-hmm. Ravens are all but a lock for a one seed at this point so you know what it's okay because the Pats were the two seed before the game they're the two seed after the game yeah absolutely and it would have been nice to have them come out with a victory so they could put some distance between themselves and the Buffalo Bills uh you know if the the Patriots had beaten the Chiefs the Bills lost to the Ravens and that would have meant that you know the Patriots would have had to beat only the Bengals and the Dolphins to win the the AFC East instead there a lot more will be riding on that head-to-head game in week 16 um but yeah I mean other exactly what you said none of it really mattered Texans got absolutely shellacked by the Denver Broncos and starting rookie quarterback Drew Locke, who looks like a revelation out there. Um, But yeah, I mean, the Ravens are clearly the class of the AFC. They have the best offense. They have a top five, top top 10 defense. They are doing very well on both sides of the ball. And uh, yeah, I mean, the Patriots did not cede any ground. They played the Chiefs well enough that in a rematch, I have no doubt that the Patriots would be in a better position to win that game. Uh, I would expect them to beat any team in the AFC other than the Baltimore Ravens at this point. So 
Yeah, I mean, exactly what he said. The sky might be falling, but, like, it doesn't really have anywhere to go. <laughs> no, it's true. Now, I feel like we're, once again, up here lamenting the offense and praising the defense. Other than the second quarter of this game, Rich, in which the Patriots gave up 17 unanswered points to the Chiefs to get into a pretty big hole going into halftime, held the Chiefs to a field goal. A very explosive offense held to a field goal in the third and fourth quarter, and the Patriots weren't able to answer offensively because this offense, uh, for lack of a better term, freaking stinks. <laughs> and there's really all there is to it. And what's really frustrating for me looking at it is not like a scenario where maybe earlier in the season we thought, oh, it's the offensive line. They can't get Brady protection. Therefore, everything is crumbling as a result of that. It's not just that. I mean, Brady's not getting protection. When he is getting protection, he's inaccurate. When he is accurate, receivers are dropping the ball. They're not getting separation. They can't run the ball well. There's really nothing that's working at any point in the offense consistently. And I don't see a scenario where, oh, if they fix A, B, and C, it'll all kind of fall into place. Now, that could obviously change, and they could do what they did last year when they lost back-to-back in December and start running the ball really well in week 16 and 17 and run Sony Michelle in the running game all the way to a Lombardi trophy. But based on what we've seen in the past, I don't know, I'd say five or six weeks, there's not a lot of hope for me that the Patriots can win the game by scoring more than like 17, 18 points. Yeah, I mean, if you look at how many points they've scored, they've broken 20 points uh, once since their bye. That was against the Texans with their garbage time score. Uh, they have not been good on offense for a very, very long time. And outside of Julian Edelman, who is in the midst of a career season for himself, he's already broken 1,000 yards from scrimmage, six touchdowns. He's on pace to set career highs for pretty much every single mark. Uh, there isn't much that they can expect out of the running back. Their next uh, you know, number two, three, and four yard gainers on the air, all running backs. James White, 780 yards from scrimmage. Sony Michelle, 728. And then Rex Burkhead at 371. So your next top receivers are Philip Dorsett and Jacoby Myers, two players who have been, uh, you know, very underwhelming when they've been thrust into a larger role. One for Myers is acceptable because he is an undrafted rookie. And then Dorsett, you would just have to expect a little bit more out of him, but it's very clear that he's better suited for, you know, a number three or number four role in an offense. So I don't see a fix immediately around the corner. I don't think they have the option to rely on the run game like they did last year because they don't have David Andrews at center. They don't even have Ted Karras at center. They have James Ferentz. They don't have experience at left tackle with Isaiah Wynn. Marcus Cannon does not look as good as he had in previous years. They don't have James Devlin. They don't have Jakob Johnson. They have Landon Roberts, a converted linebacker. So they just don't have the talent around Sony Michelle and the running game to compensate and dominate on the ground so I don't have confidence that they can do that the one thing I think that they could do to be different from recent weeks Alec and let me know what you think on that is get James White involved more and earlier it seems like they have some success when they go tempo and when they involve James White in the passing game it just seems like they don't do that for some reason no they don't and it makes me wonder if Opposing defenses who know, based on Brady's entire career as an NFL quarterback, they know that if you get pressure on Brady, based on the fact that the Chiefs blitzed almost every single down on Sunday, he's not going to be able to throw the ball well. That's a very tried and true fact for any defensive coordinator. You pressure Brady early, you get to him, you get him rattled. And James White, we I think you and I talked about it extensively last season. Now, he was hands down running away the MVP of the team last year. 
as a runner, as a receiver, yep. he was the man. And for some reason, he's just fallen off. And it might be because the Patriots are too predictable on offense. It's basically you double Julian Edelman. When James White's in, they're in a passing down. When Sony Michelle's in, they're running down. And they adjust their defenses accordingly. And the Patriots don't have that second option, that Gronkowski, that what Sanu, I think, was supposed to be when he came to the Patriots, where they can really fool defenses with other players. It's either Edelman or White, and therefore defenses can key up on them, and there's really nothing they can do about it. Now, someone's going to have to step up in the postseason, I'm imagining, whether it be White, whether it be Michelle, whether it be Sanu, whether it be Nikhil Harry. I don't know who it's going to be, but if this offense is nothing but Edelman and James White, I trust the defense still. Defense had a very sound game against the Chiefs, but... I just don't think 16 points is ever going to be enough to win against teams like the Colts, Ravens, Chiefs, and Texans. Yeah, well, absolutely, and it shouldn't be. I mean, you, you expect pro NFL offense to at least put up 23 points to have any chance of winning. Uh, fortunately, the Patriots have the best defense we've ever seen under Bill Belichick, where, you know, outside of that second quarter, which I'll even be happy to forgive them for because the Kansas City Chiefs benefit from outstanding field position. They started around midfield after the blocked field goal. They started on the 35-yard line after a Tom Brady interception. So the Patriots allowed back-to-back touchdowns on those drives. But other than that, they did a very, very good job at stopping a very potent offense of the Kansas City Chiefs. And so the Patriots can rely on this defense to excel against these opposing teams, but If the offense makes any mistakes, which it seems like they are doing quite regularly, whether it's that interception in front of Nikhil Harry against the Texans or that bobble by Matt Lacoste that wound up in the hands of the Chiefs defenders, if there's any mistake made by this Patriots offense, then that's kind of it. They have to play flawless football to put up their 20 points and have a chance of a win. Let me ask you this, Rich Hill, because I feel like there are two separate narratives going around the ether right now, and they're both very contradictory, so let's get your take on it. There is the whole Tom Brady doesn't have enough weapons. He hasn't been given enough weapons. The weapons he have are unreliable. His rookies are dropping passes. Philip Dorsett can't get the reads right. Besides Edelman and White, which you just mentioned, there isn't enough in terms of offensive firepower to allow Tom Brady to deliver the way he's used to delivering. That's one side of it. And the other side of it, we've been hearing for so long that Tom Brady is a force multiplier. He makes everybody around him better. He can do more with less than any other quarterback in NFL history. And it doesn't really matter who's out there because Tom Brady will find a way to put his players in the right position to succeed. You can't have it both ways. It's either one or the other. Which one is it? And is it irrational or unfair to judge Tom Brady thusly at this point in his career? (laughs) Well, okay. Uh, My thought is, uh, why can't it be both? You know, I I think the way I look at it is that, yeah, sure, he is not elevating the players around him in a way that you might have expected in previous years, but you look at the production that the Patriots and Tom Brady had in 2013, this is mighty similar to that. You know, Brady is putting up almost identical numbers to what he had in, in 2013. So, uh, yeah, it, it's... So it's very similar to where they were relying on Kembrell Tompkins and Aaron Dobson in a kind of just bad shape offense that year. They're doing the same thing this year. And so Brady might be elevating an offense that if you took out Tom Brady and put in an average quarterback, maybe this, I don't know, if, if you look up and down this roster, other than Julian Edelman and, uh, you know, James White, the two players that we mentioned, who's starting on another team? You know, there, there's not a lot of talent around there. And so Brady might be elevating him to the, the best possible spot. 
And then, uh, yeah, I mean, additionally, I, I don't think that Brady has not been surrounded by weapons. It just it hasn't panned out. They had Josh Gordon, and they let him go. And they had Demarius Thomas. They had uh, the guy from Washington. I forget that guy's name, but he, you know, excelled in the preseason and hasn't landed anywhere else ever since. So, I mean, the, 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 they have tried to bring in savvy veterans. They added a first-round wide receiver who just happened to get hurt, and now his development was delayed. And the you know you can't predict that your centers are both going to get hurt, your tackles are always going to be hurt. So the one way, as you said, to get to Tom Brady is to generate a lot of pressure up the middle, rattle him, and then the way that the Patriots compensate with that is quick passes. They don't have the talent to get past that. The opposing teams just say, we're going to double Julian Edelman, we're going to sit down right on top of James White, and then Brady's going to have to chuck it up down the field to a bunch of nobodies who aren't able to produce off of that. So it's not that the Patriots didn't surround him with talent, it just didn't pan out, or there's been a lot of injuries, and it's not that Brady isn't able to elevate the other talent, it's maybe he is and the talent just isn't that great. And so both can be true. Tom Brady, uh, you know, he is at his old age of, you know, 42 at this point in time, but I don't see anything from him yet that makes me think there's a decline in his ability. It's just poor execution and poor talent on the roster that is unable to execute when needed. The only area I'd say maybe Tom Brady is not up to par with where he's been in seasons past, and it may very well be all the things you said and more, and I don't want to sit here and kind of poo-poo it right away. But I also don't want to be a Tom Brady fanboy and a homer, and I want to make sure I'm fair when I have to be. There have been multiple times all season where Brady has had time to throw, receiver ran a good route, he was open, and Brady straight up missed him. In the dirt, over his head, didn't get the read right. The accuracy has been down, I think, this season. You saw it a couple times. He he missed Edelman on the fourth and six, I think. He was open, could have kept the drive alive. He's, he uh, missed a wide-open Jacoby Myers on fourth and goal on the one that went to Edelman instead. That would have been a trust issue, granted, but still there were reads he wasn't making. Do you think that I'm being irrational here, or is there something in terms of Brady's accuracy that we have to monitor? Well, okay, so if you look at his completion rate, yes, it's absolutely low. It's at 60.5. It's tied with 2013, which was also 60.5, for the second-worst season of Brady's career ahead of only 2003 when he completed 60.2 of his passes. So yeah, absolutely. He is not completing as many passes as you would like, but there are a lot of drops. There are very clearly some miscommunications and just simply based off of the strategy of how opposing teams are playing the Patriots by forcing Tom Brady to throw it deep by sitting down on Edelman and James White and saying, uh, we're going to go cover zero because we don't think you can throw anything beyond 10 yards down the field. And ultimately it's hard to do that. So those are the options that the Patriots are getting. They don't have a Brandon Cooks or a Rob Gronkowski who are capable of consistently taking off the top of the defense. And so I mean, there are issues. Brady has, uh, you know, you, exactly what you said. Jacoby Myers was open in the end zone at the end of that game, and he decided to go somewhere else. There are decisions that Brady could do differently, but ultimately it's just, you know, the completion rate is lower because the opposing teams are playing them in a certain way that forces him to throw deep. No, that's fair. And I, I think that, as always, with everybody, quarterbacks get way too much credit for wins and way too much blame for losses. And that is compounded tenfold with the Patriots because every time they do 
anything in any capacity. It's national news. Uh, we've harped on the offense enough, Rich. I think the defense was pretty good overall. Like I said, they had a pretty lousy second quarter, gave up 17 unanswered points. But other than that, they held Kansas City to three points in the second half. What did you see between half one and half two that allowed the Patriots to adjust and stymie the potent Kansas City offense? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just better execution all around. Um, there were certain players that were getting free in their coverage in the second quarter that the Patriots kind of locked down on. There was some zone plays that allowed uh, receivers to kind of sit down right in the open, and the Patriots tightened that up in that third quarter. They were doing a better job of passing off players when they were dropping into their coverages. Um, but I, I think ultimately, you know, there were some exceptional plays that Patrick Mahomes is making in the second quarter that you just can't expect him to do every single drop back. He had his hand injury. But, there, I mean, there was that one time where it was, what, like third and 17, and he completed it uh, for a first down in the second quarter. And it's just like, man, you got to just tip your hat to that. And it seemed like to me there were a bunch of plays in that second quarter where you just had to tip your hat where, you know, that Travis Kelsey wildcat touchdown was just like, I mean, that was just a beautiful play. Well, well done, Kansas City, for taking advantage of the interception because that was just, you know, chef's kiss beautiful. Mwah. And then you also have to, you know, McCole Hardman had his one catch of the day where, you know, he beat Jonathan Jones, I believe it was, and Daron Harmon was caught flat-footed. And so there are plays that happen. It always seems to happen against the Kansas City Chiefs, but, you know, the Patriots just didn't make those mistakes in the second half, but it was really just, you know, two or three mistakes that they just cleaned up. It was. And I, the execution is still good. They could have had another pick, just got dropped. I think it was Jamie Collins that had it toward the goal line. If the defense can hold the Kansas City Chiefs to three points in the second half, I think it bodes very, very well for them overall. Uh, and again, like I said many times, this offense is a real liability, but the defense is good enough to keep them in it, and they were still in it. And this game probably would be an overtime, and the conversation this week would be, we got to change the overtime rules because the Patriots once again marched down the field after Matthew Slater called heads and didn't give Patrick Mahomes time to touch the football. <laughs> if the refs had just not blown two separate calls, keeping the Patriots out of the end zone, one in a Travis Kelsey fumble, they blown dead while Stephon Gilmore was clearly running it back in the end zone. And the second one was an Akil Harry kind of shovel pass screen pass where he was clearly in bounds. They marked him out of bounds. And Belichick had already blown his challenge on the last crappy call. Couldn't do anything about it and the Patriots had to settle for a field goal down there not to mention that blown DPI call on Philip Dorsett I believe it was <laughs> Um, there and the Chiefs had some bad calls too. I think there was a there was a defensive holding call. I thought that was absolutely garbage. Uh, There's a really poorly refereed game overall. I really hate to talk about the refs and blame the refs because ultimately I don't think the refs cost the Patriots this game. They still had chances to win it late or at least tie it late and they couldn't get it in. But when the referees blatantly take at least two touchdowns off the board for your team, you have to at least bitch about it a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And it just makes the product very difficult to watch. You know, it's kind of just leaves that sour taste in your mouth because of course, I mean, the, you don't want the game to be decided by a penalty and you don't want it to be called because, you know, the refs missed a very obvious play that literally every single person could watch that replay and say, Oh, Nikhil Harry wasn't anywhere near being out of bounds. And so why wouldn't the official just say, you know what? I couldn't see it. Let's call the booth. We don't have to make that decision. We have the technology. We can get it correct. And then for them to be like, you know what? 
nah, that's good. I couldn't see it, but I, I trust you that he was out of bounds. Let's just leave it here. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense nope. to me that, you know, that uh, conversion that was Bill Belichick's first challenge flag, that they put that ball at the 40-yard line when very clearly he was not, and they very clearly missed an offensive pass interference call from Travis Kelsey, who was blocking beyond one yard down the field that they decided not to overturn, even though that was a very clear you know, violation that you're allowed to challenge. There was just a lot of things that the refs decided uh, we're just not going to do anything about it. And that makes it very, very frustrating because not only do they do a poor job on the field, when they have a chance to fix it, they actively decide not to. And that makes it very hard to watch. I think that's the biggest point, man. It's not so much the Patriots lost. I feel like every team in the league at some point or another has both benefited from and been screwed by some referee call that ended up going their way. The Patriots have benefited from some really questionable calls over the years. There's no denying that. Uh, although folks are still bringing up the tuck rule as some kind of justification <laughs> for this game somehow, which makes no sense because as stupid a rule as the tuck rule was, that was the correct call on a ridiculously bad rule. And people are bringing it up 20 years later. It makes no sense but the fact that we're sitting here talking about the refereeing and have been all season for multiple seasons it, you're right man it just dilutes the product it makes football less fun to watch it really detracts from the overall enjoyment of the sport and more and more people i know are starting to walk away from the game because it's not worth the time commitment it's not worth the effort and the energy they're putting in when they're putting an inferior product on the field where games are being decided by lousy officiating and just an overall just poor performance from the front office and everything therein and it's really sad as a massive fan of football as a 30 year plus veteran of, of watching football uh, I never thought I'd be in a scenario where I'd be on a podcast talking to somebody about how the referees and the commissioner are making the sport I love unwatchable but that's where we're and it's really really sucks yeah it really does and it's been like an issue for years now and it seems like they have the opportunity to fix it and it's the, I mean, it's the same thing with the penalty right they have the opportunity to fix these issues and they decide not to for no real reason i don't understand yeah. why they don't fix it it's very disappointing um but yeah that that's it for patriots versus chiefs i do have one last topic alec uh before we we head into this next game against Kansas City or against the Cincinnati Bengals news breaking on Monday New England Patriots found in Cleveland Browns game in their press box <laughs> recording the Cincinnati Bengals sideline claiming that they were doing it for a do your job documentary series about one of their scouts Alec what is going on here this is great this is great on so many levels a uh, if you haven't seen the Do Your Job series, it's awesome, worth checking out. Uh, B, I guarantee you that's what they were doing. They were filming it. Uh, C, if they just so happened to point the camera toward the opposing sidelines while filming the Do Your Job documentary, so be it. D, if they are doing Part C, it is completely legal and allowed by the NFL per the rules they changed in 2006, which makes the Spygate thing that much funnier because what the Patriots are doing – allegedly doing in the Browns game is different from what they were doing versus Spygate because they were not in a covered area. They were pointing the camera in the wrong designated spot. So if they're in the right spot and they're pointing the camera at the sidelines, rock on. But the best part for <laughs> the best part for me about this man is just it always never ceases to amaze me how deep inside everyone's heads the Patriots are. 
They have so much real estate and so many people said, and it's absolutely glorious. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you also think of it too. It always seems to happen at roughly the same time of year, you know, where there, yeah. there are questions about the foundations of the Patriots. Is, is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, what's going on there? Is someone putting out warm Gatorade? Is Tom Brady locking out of teammates <laughs> from his training center? We don't know. There's discombobulation everywhere. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute. Are they not performing on the field? Maybe. I don't know. And then what's this? Is someone possibly cheating? Let's just run with it. And there's just so many things that happen every single year that this is going to be no different. It galvanizes the Patriots team. Everyone circles around it. This is perfect fodder for they nobody believed in us part, you know, 7.0. And the Patriots <laughs> are going to use this to, you know, go back to another AFC championship game. So one might say, Rich Hill, that we're on to Cincinnati. Oh, absolutely. We're on to Cincinnati. We'll break this down on our Thursday podcast. We'll have more coverage on both the Chiefs game and previewing the Bengals game on patspulpit.com. Until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. Later, man.